This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Hi, this is Arjun. And it's truly a pleasure to have incredible, fascinating discussion with leaders from all walks of life all over the world. Our journeys are different, and that's the reason talking to different leaders are very important. You know, winning is important, but these conversations about winning big, because those are the big wins that put us on the path for sustained long-term wins. And on that spirit, today, it's my pleasure to welcome my VIP guest, Joe Nanziata. Joe is the president of Joe Nanziata International, is a professional speaker, an executive coach, and an author whose books include Spiritual Selling and Heal the Deal. I really love the concept of Heal the Deal, and I'm really excited to learn more about what this book is all about. As a sales trainer, he helps people and organizations to reinvent the sales process. In his lengthy career, he has worked with over 1,000 business owners, companies, and entrepreneurs. Joe, welcome to Secrets to Win Big. Thank you so much for having me, Arjun. Great to be here. The first question I have for you is about the fascinating book titled Heal the Deal. What is this book all about and where did you get the title Heal the Deal? You know, so that actually was an updated version of a book that I had that came out in 2007, which was titled Spiritual Selling, which was, again, bringing energy principles into sales and then Heal the Deal was an updated version. So we, my publisher said, I'd rather, let's give it a different name, kind of refresh it a little bit instead of doing like spiritual selling two or something like that. So we were trying to come up with a name that was going to convey the feeling, right? Because it was all about conveying that feeling. And back and forth, somehow we just kept having a conversation and ended up hitting on heal the deal. So that was what we ended up using uh, as we go forward. Because I wanted people to understand that sales was not just about the numbers and going out there and making a deal and getting a commission, there's an element of relationship, there's an element of connection, there's an element of healing when you put a deal together where both parties benefit. So that was really the message and the feeling I wanted to convey. Yeah, and thank you for taking me through this because many a time when we look at deals, sometimes deals become win-lose. And when you're on the lose side, instead of healing, you just feel like you lost a limb or more in that. <laughs> for sure. Feel really fascinated. So I want to go back to your career about sales. Sales. How did your career start in sales? Like, what's the first thing Joe remembers selling, and how did you get into that career? Yes, yeah, so I started selling really young. I, I uh, started working right after high school. Actually, my dad had passed when I was uh, 12 years old. He was a detective in New York in narcotics. And I went to work. We had issues at home financially. So I went to work right after school and I was working on trucks and ended up doing a bunch of different things and bartending in between there. And then I got into sales. And it was interesting because my bartending background turned out to be a, a great training ground for sales because I was used to talking to strangers and building a rapport. So I kind of used that same skill set going into the sales world. And I've been in sales for over 30 years and I've sold everything. I've sold inside, outside on the phone, large corporations, small businesses. So I've kind of done the whole thing. I've been a sales director. I've run, I've been a VP of sales. I've run companies now. Of course, I do my own training and consulting. So 
when I went out there, you know, I would see people working really hard. And one of the things that, I, that fascinated me, I would see people who worked really hard and knew what they were doing and they would do just okay. And then I saw other people who weren't working as hard, but just seemed to be in a better flow and they were doing great. So I realized that then I, as I was uh, getting into my 20s, I started getting more into psychology and the metaphysical energy principles. And I started to apply these principles to the sales teams that I was working with and their results started to improve. So it led me to create something which I put in Heal the Deal, which is called E Squared. And it was really about understanding that it was really energy squared. It was e, e energy and expertise. So the bottom line was there were certain people who just had good energy. Even if they didn't have the best expertise, they seemed to still do well. Other people had unbelievable expertise, but not great energy. And they didn't do well, which was hard to believe because they, would, they were theoretically doing everything right but they didn't have the good feeling behind it. So they, so their energy was off, so they were struggling. So that's what kind of led me down this road and understanding how important the energy piece of it was for sales and to build your business. I love the concept of the energy, but before I go there, I really feel there's a book in the future, start as a bartender and learn your way. Because I think what when you say that, it's fascinating that Learning how to make conversations with strangers meaningful within boundaries and managing the task is amazing. And I love the second part is when you talked about the whole energy and the expertise and bringing the focus on energy and feelings. And, you know, to me, in my consulting, one of the core things at the core of my consulting is we are all in the feeling business because we all have been wired as children that we hang out with friends who are nice to us, make us feel good. If I was bullying you when we were both kids, let's say, you know, 10 year old, mm. you don't want to hang out with that bad, evil, bully origin. And I feel that that makes a lot of sense. So in your journey, as you have evolved, what are two or three biggest things you have learned in sales that make you the rock star Super Bowl winner in sales. Well, thank you. For, thank you for that compliment. I'll, I'll accept it graciously. Uh, the first one, I think, for me was removing expectation. And what I mean by that is when people go into to do a deal, there's a lot of, oh, that I'm, I'm ex you know, this is what I think will happen. And I'm trying to do X, Y, Z. And I think they get too much into that mindset of what they expect or how they think it should go. And it takes you out of that flow of energy. So the first thing I teach people, I say, you know, don't expect, just go there and focus on connecting with this person and then seeing how do you serve this? How do you serve and how does this be, create a good win-win deal? So that's the first thing. So I want to remove the expectation as far as I don't want to have anything attached. The second thing for me is I want to also remove the judgment. Because we have a lot of judgment, you know, when we go out there, oh, this, you know, this, I, 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 we go into a situation with all preconceived notions and ideas, which actually blocks our flow of energy as well. And that creates, you know, a lot of problems. And the third one for me is, which I think is really probably the most important, is you have to remove fear of loss. Because that's the reason people struggle, because their fear, see, so they go into the appointment, they're more afraid not to get the deal than they are to create the deal. So their, their energy is actually focused more on fear of not getting it. And that's fear comes across to the other person that you're talking to. They feel that energy and it, it prohibits you from getting deals. So those were three things that I use all the time. I will tell you the fear of loss is huge. 
Uh, all humans have it, and the level at which we have it really affects our lives. I love the way you talk in ease, energy, expertise, and now no expectations. I really feel that there is this whole theme that is there. And, you know, as you're talking about fear of failure, there is this fascinating ad with Michael Jordan and Nike. And if anybody Googles that, you'll see. And just watch the video, please, if you guys are Googling. This is Michael Jordan post-game in the slick, in a long jacket or coat, overcoat, walking down in his incredible voice says, <laughs> in my career, I have missed 9,000 shots. These many times I have been given the game-winning shot and I missed. And then he says, I failed. Like Michael Jordan saying I failed is powerful. And then he said, I failed because of that, I succeed. And, you know, and as you're talking about what I also realize is between all of us, there is the Michael Jordan, then there's the Joe in sales. These are people who are not scared to take the game-winning shot. Rest of us, when we get the ball with five seconds, we choke. Instead, we shun and we just pass it by saying, oh, Michael. <laughs> Michael, you take it. <laughs> yeah. And I feel that is so incredibly important is fear of failure, expectation not there, do the best you can, accept the consequence. I love that. Absolutely. Thank you. Building on sales, you know, doing a little research on you, one of the things you talk about is so many of sales method and techniques are old fashioned. Okay. And as I started doing that, you know, as I was reading about your bio on my phone, right away, I told myself that if my iPhone is two to three years old, it's obsolete, like to the point where even it doesn't work. Okay? How the heck are we living with obsolete old fashioned sales techniques and what can we do about it? Well, I think this, again, this is a fear. When I go into companies and I see them doing the same things that I learned 30 years ago that are not applicable at all, your, your example of, of the iPhone is, is very, very excellent, right? So why are they doing it? It's because exactly what we talked about. They're afraid of trying something different and getting fired. So, because if they try it and it doesn't work, they have to be accountable. So if you, a lot of corporations work on a fear base the people are afraid to try something different because they're, they're afraid that they, that will impact their job or they'll end up losing their job. So when I walk in and I see people doing these things, even though they're not even working, they refuse on some level to, to say, well, this is how we always did it. I say, yeah, but what you did 10, 15, 20 years ago does not apply in today's world. The people are different. The way we shop is different. The way people communicate is different. These You cannot use 30-year-old techniques, and they're still talking about closing techniques and boxing people in and what to do. So all this stuff, now I'm not saying you shouldn't have a presentation and a process and know what you're doing, but the idea that you're going to, in this world, the way we are today, use these techniques and tricks or whatever you want to call them to get people to buy, but they're very, they're very focused on numbers only. And my feeling has always been numbers obviously are important. You have to know how to read between the numbers and you have to know how to understand that it's not just numbers, it's understanding what's in between those numbers that really tells the story. And that's one of the things I think that we fail at dramatically. And I work in corporations all the time. They're just very numbers centric and they don't know how to look past the basic number and understand. So I'll give you an example. You could have like a baseball player who's a, I'll give Reggie Jackson was a guy who grew up in New York. So Reggie Jackson was obviously a very prolific player. And Reggie Jackson was a very good player. But when you looked at his statistics under pressure, 
they went a mile. Derek Jeter was very similar, just looking at athletes or Jordan, right? So it's almost like saying, if I look at their numbers and say, well, this is who they are, but then under pressure, this is who they are. So it's understanding. It's not just looking at the raw number. It's understanding what's behind the number. How do I assess my talent? How do I get my talent to the next place, the next level? It's not just about techniques. And I'll tell you what's the most important thing that I found. It's about connecting with the employees. It's about making them feel special and valued. And it's about appreciating their work. And then all of a sudden, their energy level and their desire to go out there and do this job escalates dramatically. You can't find that in the numbers, but it will translate into the better numbers down the road. But that's not something they're looking at. To me, that's one of the biggest problems I see. You know, the first half of what you talked about was the world changing. Just a month back, two months back, my wife, Chitra, and myself, we sold our home in Denver. And we just moved to Houston. And what was fascinating in this journey is we sold a home without ever meeting the buyer in person. A company called Redfin bought our home. All I did was walk around, do a Zoom thing for them. They made an estimate. And then eventually in the middle of the night, once the deal was done, they said before closing, leave a lockbox. Can you just leave the keys there and leave? And you know, what fascinated me is I am not the nerdy, edgy guy living at the front end of technology. I am one of the last people, like I come only yeah. when the world is safe. Like even Facebook, my daughter was first to put me there. I had a profile I didn't even know. So in that particular world, operating with an iPhone 5 or 4, I really see the disconnect as you start going through. Mm. And the second part, I also feel that there's this big thing about performing under pressure. And this is a part where one of the top golfers would name him is what I realized is this guy, when he practices, loses nine out of 10 friendly bets. But when he goes out and plays tournaments, he wins one out of four. So what it tells me, the difference between him and others are not skills. No. It is how do you perform when it matters most? And it's it's a mindset. It's like it's not what you can do. It's what's between two years. And how do you guide yourself? And I really feel that that and when you brought it back at the end about the team, because I really think that was so powerful, all three concepts together. You know, this again takes me to a little bit different place you talk about yourself being a spiritual teacher, okay? You talk about energy. It's a little different dimension. Can you connect the dots to help me understand the whole picture of who Joe is, the spiritual teacher, energy, and how you makes makes you successful in helping the rest of us? Well, basically, when I started doing this work, I realized everything is energy. So everything is energetic. So it doesn't matter. It really energy does not look energy does not work in compartments. It doesn't say okay, this is work energy, this is Joe home energy, this is a leisure Joe. It's just saying everything is energy. So whatever I'm doing, first and foremost, is being impacted by energy. Basically, an energy is all driven by emotion, not what you think. So this is the big issue, and this is the real area where people create breakthroughs when they realize it's not what I think, it's what I feel that is creating my life. So your energy creates a vibration that goes out into the world based on your feelings and your belief system. And then it starts to do two different things that are very important. 
it attracts things and it repels things. So what basically happens is, and again, energy is non-judgmental. It says, I went bankrupt twice by 30 years old. And the reason that happened was not because I wasn't smart or I didn't work hard or I didn't know what I was doing. It's because I was feeling a feeling of unworthiness within myself. So I kept attracting negative situations, negative clients, people who didn't pay me. That wasn't their fault. I attracted those people because of how I felt. So once I got into this work, I realized it wasn't that I didn't know what I was doing. I was a bad person or, or I didn't work hard. It was my emotional issues were blocking me from moving forward. And that's the next level of work. And that's what I teach people to show them how to identify those emotions that they're holding deeply in their unconscious and in their energy field, clear that energy out, create a different vibration, and then start to attract positive things into your life and make those shifts and changes. So that's really how it works. And I also love, as you talk about you taking ownership of your creating the positive energy, because we all have choices, because it's the choices that we make that create the environment and surrounding and taking ownership. I love that concept. Going back a little bit back to sales, you talk about sales attractor method. What is the sales attractor method? And you know, anything that's not super proprietary, we want to share this. Yeah, no, it's a, I, don't, I don't really hold anything back because I feel like whoever picks up, whoever is supposed to work with me is going to work with me. Nothing I say to you is going to make that happen or not happen. So I never fear. Again, no fear. I have no fear of sharing anything with you that's proprietary, whatever you want to call it. You know, the podcast is called Secrets to Win Big. So it's a big secret that <laughs> now Joe is going to share. No. I'm going to share these secrets with you. Okay, I'm going to share it with you. So basically, you know, when we look at this situation, you want to understand that the first thing you want to do is don't, you have to, my first focus with people when I work with salespeople is this, what type of people do you want to work with? Now, you notice I didn't say size of the company, title of the person, all that kind of stuff, because that's where people start in sales, right? They start, off, okay, I have to work with uh, this kind of person. I have to work with this Fortune 500. I have to work. Now, that's fine. Maybe you're selling to bigger companies. But the bottom line is the first thing to do is say, what kind of person do I want to work with? And it changes everything because now it's, I start saying, oh, wait a minute. It's not just about money. It's not just about who's in a certain position. I want to work with this type of person. So what are the characteristics of the person? So to me, I say, I want clients that I would like to go out after work with and have dinner or have a cup of coffee or have a conversation. Those are the kind of clients I want. Clients that are mindful of me, clients that appreciate my work, clients that understand the value that I bring. And I want to also bring them that value and, and add value to their business. So, but that's the kind of energetic relationship that I'm looking for. So that to me supersedes everything else. But if you ask any salesperson, I will tell you, they will never say, they'll, they'll give you a list of types of businesses, revenues, how many people, that one person ever says, well, what type of person do you want to work with? To me, that was a breakthrough for, for me years ago and has been for many people that I work with now. So in that process, are there kinds of people who specifically you don't want to work with? Like I have a very simple process when Clint myself we work with. We don't work with jerks. <laughs> no, life is too short. That's one, that's one way to put it, right? Like life is too short because for us, it's just like going to a buffet. You can always eat a little more, but you know, yeah. you're, full, you're full. So 
you know, when we go through, we make money, but there are times we just draw a boundary because at the end of the day, we really want to work with good people who respect us, we respect them. And my daughter is part of my board. And at the end of the day, she really is a person who I can introduce all my professional buddies to who would also look at her as their daughter. So to me, I think that's a very big environment. So what are kind of people who Joe wants to work with and who you stay away from? Well, I think, you know, again, my, my goal, and as humans, it's, of course, difficult. And I love the fact that you said jerks because we don't want to work. That would probably be something I would usually say. Now I try to be a little more non-judgmental, and I'll just basically say I don't want to work with people who are not in alignment with me. So if I feel like they're in a different, they're in a different space, we're not aligned, we're not connecting, we're not really, you know, we're not in the same place, our, our overall goals and ideas are not the same, then chances are, you know, when people sit down with me and they say, hey, you know, one guy said, I need somebody to come in and whip these people into shape and really give them that feeling that they need to know if they don't go out there and do a good job, they're going to get fired. I said, I, I'm not the guy for you. I said, I'll tell you right now, I am 100% not going to be the guy for you. So this is something, again, not in alignment with that philosophy, which I wasn't. So I can't do work for a person if I'm not in alignment with you. Or, you know, sometimes it's just somebody who says, you know, people will say to me, I realize that we are not operating the way we should in this current time. And I need help to get there. I just had this with a company recently that I'm working with. And the owner was like, listen, you know, I've resisted change. And COVID for, forced him into it because there were a lot of things that happened in the business that he had to deal with. And he was finally open and we've made tremendous changes in the business. And it's been absolutely spectacular there. But it was almost like he had to get forced into it because of the fact that the COVID created a circumstance for him. So the people have to be either in the same space or, or have the desire to go into that space. To me, that's for how I really determine who to work with. So I just pressed my reset button. Arjun 2.0 is going to take over. Okay. Works. I'm going to going forward use. I don't work with people who are not in alignment. There you go. Fine by Joe's. <laughs> well, I'm trying to take the judgment out of it, aren't you? I know. That was a good evolution and yeah. right there. And thank you for making the, you know, sometimes I think what I also appreciate is people talk about energy but they don't live energy. Yeah. And how you took me through the evolution with a smile, but there was a lot of confidence in you. I really feel that is something for the rest of us as we listen to this conversation is very fascinating, is living the energy as Joe is talking about, not just talking the energy because talk is very easy. I can yeah. read books, but thank you for living the energy. Thank you. So just a personal question. I'll yeah. back. You know, you are a very evolved human being. Thank you. Is there an inspiration, some, a human being or a situation that really jump-started your life that you go back and are very grateful to? Well, I mean, I think my father passing young was very a very big event for me because I was 12. And to lose your father at 12, you know, it did change my perspective a lot. And it kind of really moved me into a different direction in my life. So I, I really look at that as a catalyst moment that really... I'm sure had my father lived, my life would have been very different. I don't know that I would have gone down this path. I believe in karma. I believe in certain things that are supposed to happen in your life to bring you to your journey that you're supposed to take. So if I had to look at one moment, I would probably say that was the moment that was the most significant as far as probably putting me on a different path 
and making me a very different person because I went from, you know, kind of a 12 year old carefree kid to, wow, I'm the oldest boy and I'm in the family. And now, you know, all of a sudden the world was upside down and it happened very quickly. I get me passed on the job. I came home from school. I was in sixth grade and all of a sudden, you know, your father's gone. You're never going to see him again. It was a very, it was a very jarring experience also because you realize, wow, life is like that. that. Something can happen. And when I meet people who have never really had anything happen to them like that, uh, it's almost like you can't explain it to someone because you have to experience it. So to me, that was really the, the I think they're probably the biggest shift moment for me in my life. I'm really sure that it put me on a very different path. And, you know, first of all, you know, really sad and sorry to hear about the loss at that earlier age. Yeah. And I'm really so proud to hear about your story because we don't control life and death. When it happens, it's very unfortunate, but how you're channelized. So right now, what is the one thing your dad sitting in heaven is most proud of Joe's accomplishment? I really think the, the fact that, you know, I've been here to, to help other people have better lives. I think that would be the one thing. It's not about money and I've helped people succeed. I've helped people do very well. But I think really for me, the most, what the thing that my dad would be most proud of is say, wow, this Joe really made the world better. And, uh, in a way that he helped people improve their quality of their lives and, and help them live a better, more fulfilled and happy life. So I think that would be more so than any accomplishments in the, in the material world. I would say that that would probably be number one. I love that because to me as a parent, my daughter is 27. I think, you know, I look at as parents, that's the biggest thing is yeah. to be happy, safe, you know, healthy. But after that, it really doesn't matter about the money as you're talking about. And those are cool things that my daughter accomplishing. But the thing that as you're talking about it as a dad, it really hits home when I hear about she making an impact in one person's life or somebody else's. That makes me feel that, wow, you know, absolutely, there's some good things going on and I'm so proud. So if you were to go back in time and meet that young girl, just ready to graduate from high school, and of course, you know, a lot of pressure on him in life, uncertainties, what would be one piece of advice you would give him? I would say... Don't pressure yourself. I would probably say relax and just go through. I was so caught up at that time in going 100 miles an hour to get where I was going. And that was kind of the way I lived. And it was really detrimental to my life. So I would probably say, you know, relax, take your time. Everything will be fine. And the, the, everything will work out. It's not a rush. Don't, don't feel like you have to do everything in five minutes or the next day because and also take the, the onus off the financial success and look at your well-being. Because I think when I was younger, I was very much focused only on the financial success and not, nothing else. So that would probably be the advice I'd give the 18-year-old Joe right now if I was going back to talk to him. I was smart on my face because it reminds me of lessons I got from my daughter. She was eight. I was the soccer coach at a YMCA. And that day, she was the goalkeeper. The ball is coming not even fast, bouncing towards her. And all of a sudden, it goes into the goal because my daughter, instead of focusing on the ball, sees a little dandelion <laughs> and goes and moves it because she didn't want the dandelion to get hurt. You know, there as you a go. coach, I'm thinking later on, I'm just talking to her. I was saying, girl, what happened? She said, <laughs> you don't see the dandelions. I do, okay? I love that. And to me, that was the part about the journey is... There's not one path, there's multiple paths. And pausing, slowing down, appreciating the journey, mm. that is really priceless. 
before I go to a few final questions, I really have to ask you about, there's a poster behind Joe, for those of you who cannot see the video, on the movie Spartacus. Yes. It's so important to you. Uh, you know, it's funny, I'm writing a book right now. This is a secret that nobody knows, so they're going to hear it here first, which will, probably, which will be out next year. Uh, and it's called Becoming a Spiritual Spartacus. So Spartacus, if you don't know the story of Spartacus, Spartacus was a gladiator in 73 BC in Rome who actually escaped a gladiatorial school and with a bunch of other gladiators escaped the school and ended up creating this gigantic army that that for a few years really went through Rome and created tremendous panic and terror. And basically the story of Spartacus that I love is, which is my favorite movie of all time, which is why this, I got this poster, which is actually from the original 1960 movie. If I move my screen, you can actually see the whole thing there, right? My uh, mic's in the way, but you can see the whole thing. But uh, so anyway, the reason I just resonated with the story was a couple of things. First of all, Spartacus was about freedom, right? He wanted freedom from being a slave in Rome. But the second thing Spartacus did, which is the reason he became so successful and so many people followed him, they said at one point he had 120,000 people in his entourage or army and between kids and everybody. And they said the reason that that happened, they said Spartacus's philosophy was he shared the spoils evenly with everybody. So it wasn't like he took more than the next guy. Every single person got the same thing based on whatever they took when they, when they went into these air cities and took over these cities. So that was one part of the magic of it where people said, hey, we're going to join this guy. Not only he's not like the Romans, he's not trying to hold us down. He's sharing with us. And it was just a story that resonated so deeply with me. And it's been, like I said, it's been my favorite movie my whole life. I watch it like every year. And I, I just, it's, it's a very emotional story because of a, a person who starts as a slave and a gladiator comes to the point where he has the largest power of the time, almost at his mercy and in tremendous fear. So it's a story of freedom. It's a story of accomplishment. It's a story of not having fear. It, it just, so to me, that's really the reason that, that it meant so much to me. Brilliant. So, you know, this is a fascinating conversation. So before we wrap the conversation, what is one thing you want listeners to know about you, your work that I've not asked you already? Well, I think you want to, the one thing I always say is I look for people who, who walk the walk. You said it earlier. A lot of people talk about energy and concepts and principles but they don't live that life. And I think that's the main thing for me. When I work with people, I say to them, this is not about me giving you some things to do. This is about, and, and this is the way I, I like to frame it. I said, it's not about learning something different. It's about you becoming different. And that's really the work that I want to do with people where it's not just, hey, I learned something new and that was nice and it helped me out. To me, I, I really feel the most satisfaction when people say, wow, working with you has changed the way I live my life. And that has been the biggest win for them. So I, I feel like that's something that I want people to understand that that is my mission is not just I'm not I don't want to be, you know, people used to say to me, you a motivational speaker. And I said, I don't really like that term because motivational speaker to me means you got excited, you left and three days later, you're back to where you are. I want to be somebody who helps you elevate and expand from the inside out by learning how to manage yourself at a higher level. So I, I really want people to understand that. I always say to somebody, whoever you're going to work with, me or anybody else, 
Make sure that you vet that person, you align with that person and their intention. See, this is so important, I think, Arjun, in life. What is your intent? My intention is to help you heal. Now, it doesn't mean I don't want to receive. And I want people to understand that. Where energy loves balance. So it's not, and one of the things I see with a lot of people who walk this path is they know how to give and not receive. We want to learn to do both. I want to give and I want to receive. We want to be whole on both sides. But the bottom line is my intention is so critical. So what is your intention when you walk out the door? That to me determines everything. If your intention, and we know a lot of people, their intention is to take your money, to steal, to take advantage of you, like you said earlier, to win and you lose. This is what it's all about. So keep a pure intent and that's going to make all the difference in your life. I also would point, like to point a different dimension of the conversation, which is consistency. Yes. You know, if somebody who is very analytical, I'm recently analytical, if I had to tabulate the common thread between everything Joe talked about in our conversation today, the common thread was whether it is the question about your dad being proud was the one thing about intention of making a true impact in people's life. Okay? And I really feel that, you know, it's very important to have, of course, the right thoughts. I love what you talked about is to live that because to me, there's this incredible story of Muhammad where this widow brings his son over to Muhammad across four deserts by saying, oh, prophet, can you please tell my son not to eat candy? Muhammad says, son, can you guys come back in a month? Because they're fine. You know, this happens three or four times. And finally, Muhammad looks at the kid by saying, kid, what are you doing? Your teeth are falling off. Don't eat candy. And the teeth kid's like, yes, sir. Widow is very happy. She leaves, but comes back and saying, sir, thank you. But can I ask you, do you know every time it took me four days coming, four days going back? Can you, could you not have done it easier for the poor widow? It was very tough. Muhammad says, I'm very sorry, but it took me this long to give up candy myself. <laughs> and without giving up candy, I couldn't look at your son right. and deliver the message. So to me, I really think the walk the talk, as you talked about, is important. But then I also feel, Joe, want to embarrass you a little bit is the consistency that you had in the conversation all through is brilliant because that I think is very important because we all need to be that one person, authentic Joe. And it's so much easier to be one Joe than to be five Joes and bringing, think if we had five Joes and five Arjuns, it would be such a challenge which Joe and which Arjun do we bring to a conversation? Correct. Odds are you know, not in our favor. This yes. is the last question. Yeah. So the year is 2030 right now, nine to 10 years from now. Okay. I are fortunate to have another conversation. You know, we both are healthy. Our families are good. Everything's nice. Where would the Joe brand be in year 2030? I would hope it would be in a, in a place where many, many people could say that they were helped and they were healed in some way by coming in contact with me. Uh, that would really be the thing that would make me most excited because I feel like we have a lot of you know, we have lives here in a physical world that are very painful in many ways, emotionally and physically could be as well. So if people can say in 10 years from now, hopefully as many as possible, that, hey, you know, because I touched Joe in some way, my life got better and I feel like I am healed in some way. I think that to me would, would, would mean the most. Love that. And if this was a movie, the last line of the movie would be, and Joe continues to make the lives of others better. Love it. Thank you, Joe, for a fascinating conversation. 
Thank you so much, Roger. Appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. This was a very unique conversation. And at the very beginning, when I read Joe's bio, you know, I was looking at, yes, I speak. I'm talking to another speaker. The world has a lot of sales experts. Okay? But at the same time, I really felt when reading the title, Heal the Deal, I really wanted to talk to this guy because healing and deal to me are like oxymoronic. I've never seen them put together. <laughs> deal is all about me win. And then if you win something that's good for you, but I have, it's all about the kid. And I'm so glad we had this conversation because the layers of Joe, what makes you successful, I really think this was an incredibly fascinating conversation. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening. Looking forward to another conversation with another leader from another walk of life, bringing it to you very soon. Thank you. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.